0: Christmas is a time that should cause us to renew and refresh our understanding of God's love that was shown to us through Jesus. This message is the first in the series, Come Let Us Adore Him. The message is entitled, The Heart of Worship. Here is Pastor Dale O'Shields. Grab our Bibles and our teaching sheets as we turn our attention to God's Word this morning. We're into the month of December, the month of Christmas, and so we're starting a new series of messages entitled, Come Let Us Adore Him. I want to talk this weekend about the heart of worship, the heart of worship, the value of experiencing God's heart as it relates to worship. You know, one of the most important parts of your life is your heart. That's what we're going to talk about today. When we think about Christmas, we must understand that Christmas really is all about worship. It's not about all the gifts that we give and the things that we experience from a holiday standpoint. Really, Christmas is a holy day. It's a representation of the fact that Jesus came from heaven to earth to give his life for us. And so Christmas calls us to experience this thing called worship. And according to the Bible, worship has a beginning point in your life. Everybody is a worshiper of something. People will talk at times about the fact, well, I'm not really a, a churchgoer. I'm not a worshiper. Well, everybody is a worshiper of something. Whoever you put first in your life or whatever you put first in your life is what you worship. And it's what we want to learn this, this month together is how do we really worship God? How do we really give him our best? And Jesus gives us insight to this in Matthew, excuse me, Mark chapter 12, beginning in verse number 28, where he gives us this very important statement. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating, that's Jesus and these teachers of the law. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked him, of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one answered Jesus is this, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. I want you to notice that Jesus, when he was asked the question, what is the most important commandment that you and I can obey? He said, you're to do this. Understand that God is one. You're to love him with all your heart, your soul, and your mind, and your strength. I want you to notice where Jesus started when it came to worship. He said, love God with all your heart. It begins with the heart. All of worship starts with the heart. To be able to experience God at the level that He desires for you to experience Him, it's not something that happens externally, it's something that first and foremost happens internally. And so I'm going to share with you this weekend four things that will help us to make sure that our hearts are properly properly prepared in this Christmas season, but not just for this season, but for our entire life that we'll learn to worship God with our hearts. The first thing I want you to note from Scripture is that God longs for your heart. God is longing for a relationship with you at a heart level. When you study this word heart in the Bible, you'll discover that it's found in your English Bibles over 700 times, heart or hearts. This word is a very pervasive word in Scripture. And the word heart really refers to the innermost part of your being, the deepest part of your life. It is the seat of your your emotions, the seat of your thinking, the seat of your personality. It's the core of your being. It's from which every aspect of your life will flow, as we're going to see in just a few moments. We use this word heart, even in our common vernacular, uh, to express these kind of things. We talk about putting your heart into something. We talk about opening your heart to someone. We talk about a person who maybe broke your heart. We use these kind of terms to describe what goes on in the deepest places of our being because we all understand that the heart is the key to life, that you can hurt in the deepest place of your being. You can find joy in the deepest places of your being, and that's called your heart And everything that God does in your life is designed to go after your heart. God wants your heart. He longs for your heart more than anything else. Because when God has your heart, God has you. When God is first place in your heart, He's first place in your life. Listen to Proverbs 23, verse 26. As though God the Father is speaking to you and me today, my son or my daughter, give me your heart. Let your eyes delight in my way. So here's this appeal from God. I want your heart. Now, As we think about God longing for our hearts, what is it that He wants from your heart? What is He looking for from you and me? Let me share with you five things that God is looking for from your heart and my heart today. First of all, He wants you and I to trust Him from our hearts. To trust means that we have absolute reliance upon and confidence in God, that we know that He's a good God, He's a loving God, that we can absolutely be confident that He's going to take care of us, that His goodness and love is directed toward us. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, perhaps you know it well, trust in the the Lord with all your heart. Notice this, trust with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding and all your ways submit to him and he will make your path straight. So God wants you and I to trust him at a heart level. The second thing that God wants from your heart is transformation. God wants to change your heart. He wants your heart to reflect his nature and reflect his image and to be filled with his Holy Spirit. There's a transformation that God wants to work inside you and me. Ezekiel 36, verses 25 through 27, describes the work of the Messiah to us as he came, the fulfillment in Jesus where the scripture promises, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you, what does it say there? A new heart and put a new spirit in you, I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. God wants to change your heart. He wants you to trust him from your heart. He wants to transform you at a heart level. Romans 10, 9 says, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Salvation comes from the heart. The third thing that God wants from your heart is allegiance. God wants you to be loyal to him at a heart level. He wants you to be committed and faithful to him from the depths of your heart. Just like you would want faithfulness from a friend at a heart level, faithfulness from a spouse at a heart level, God wants faithfulness and commitment and allegiance from us at a heart level. Psalm 86, 11 says, teach me your way, Lord, that I may rely on your faithfulness. Give me an undivided, what's the next word there? heart. What's God interested in? Your heart, an undivided heart that I may fear your name. He says, I, I, God, I, I want, the psalmist says, I want my heart to never be divided. There's there any division of loyalty. I want to be fully allegiant to you. And then the fourth thing that God looks for from our heart is a closeness to our heart. God wants intimacy with you at a heart level, he wants to communicate with you from the heart. In Matthew 15, verses 8 and 9, Jesus speaks of a group of people who are worshiping externally but did not have a relationship with him at the heart level, at a close, intimate level. He said, these people say they honor me, but their hearts are far away. Their worship is worthless, for they teach their man-made laws instead of those from God. Jesus said, I've seen people who are able to worship, but it's only external. It doesn't come from the heart. Their lips are worshiping, but their hearts are far away from me. The fifth thing that God is interested in when it comes to our heart is God is interested in the cleanness of our heart. God wants to clean up our hearts. He wants to remove from us all the impurities and the pollution and the contamination that comes from our own sinful nature, that comes from the world around us, the carnality of the world around us. He wants you and I to have a clean heart. As the psalmist prayed, the psalmist David prayed this prayer after his sin with Bathsheba. Bathsheba, he comes to the place of repentance in his life and he prays these words in Psalm 51 verse 10, create in me a new clean heart heart, O God. Fill me with clean thoughts and right desires. So the psalmist is saying, God, I need you to clean me out at the heart level, not just at some superficial level, but get down into the deepest places of my being and clean me up on the inside. And even Jesus said it: the Beatitudes in Matthew 5, 8, God blesses those whose hearts are pure or clean, for they will see God. The first thing that I want you to remember this weekend as we're heading into Christmas and really for the rest of your life is that God longs for your heart. When God looks at you and me, what he wants is a relationship with you at a heart level. The second thing is that your heart has a current condition. While God longs for a relationship with you at a heart level, we must understand that our heart is in a certain condition right now. And I, I want to take time today, and perhaps this will be the focal point of my message for this weekend for us. I want to encourage you in this season of the year to do a heart check, just like you would go to your, your physician and have them to check you up and maybe check your heart and do an EKG and maybe your cardiologist to check up on you and see how your heart is doing. I want us to, to come to Jesus today as though he were, he were our physical, our, our doctor, and come to him and say, God, would you by your Holy Spirit do a heart check in me because I want to know the condition of my heart. And your heart has a certain condition right now that is affecting your relationship with God and your relationship with other people. I'm going to take just a few moments and share with you a checklist. I hope that this will be kind of your own moment of reflection and thinking about your own heart condition. And maybe some of these uh, conditions will apply to you today. And the first condition. That can be a negative condition in your heart is that you and I can have a hard heart, a heart that 's grown hard and uncaring and distant toward God and others. The world that we live in is a very hard place, and the experiences that we have in life are hard at times, and if we 're not careful what 's hard on the outside makes us hard on the inside, and the hardness of our heart causes us to distance ourselves from God and distance ourselves from other people and that 's why The scripture says in Hebrews 3, 15, remember what it says today when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts as Israel did when they rebelled. Can I ask you this morning, as you do a little bit of a heart check in your own life, is your heart hard? Has there come a point where you've allowed a callousness and uncaring to happen in your heart toward God and toward other people? Have you distanced yourself from God? Have you distanced yourself from the people of God? Is there something that has caused your heart to grow hard? The second condition the Bible speaks of that's a negative condition. Of The heart is a hopeless heart, a heart that has lost hope, hope for your future, that you've gotten to the place of saying, you know, there's not really much hope for what, what lies ahead for me, and I don't have a, a sense of expectation about my life, as though perhaps God doesn't really have a future for me. And there's some people that are walking around, and they may be even professing a faith externally, but they've lost the hope internally that life has and God has something for them in the days to come. That's why Proverbs 13, 12 uh, goes to the issue here where it says that hope deferred makes the heart, what makes the heart sick, but a dream fulfilled is a tree of life. That when your hope is deferred, that is, what you're longing for is put off, it doesn't look like it's ever going to to arrive on the horizon of your life, it can make your heart sick. And there's some of us that perhaps we may have a hard heart, or for some of us today, perhaps you have a hopeless heart, you've lost your hope. Thirdly is a wounded heart. A heart that's carrying pain. There are lots of people that are walking around and they may be smiling externally, but they're crying on the inside because deep down in their soul, they're carrying pain deep within them at a heart level that perhaps no one else except God knows about. And that pain can weary you. It can wear you out. It can frustrate your life. It can limit your life in so many different ways. That's why we have this tremendous promise in Proverbs, oh, excuse me, Psalm 34, verse 18, where it says, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted, or the people who have a heart that is filled with pain. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. So God cares about people with wounded hearts. If you have a wounded heart, you can't worship God effectively with a wounded heart. The fourth one that I'll mention here, and we're going through this. I hope you're looking at this as a checklist for your own life today. Do you have a hard heart? Do you have a hopeless heart? Do you have a wounded heart? And the fourth one is, do you have a lukewarm or do you have a cold heart? You know, sometimes when it comes to our relationship with God, it's not as though we've, we've really lost our relationship with God. We're just not as passionate about it as we used to be. There was a time in our life that we were really on fire for God. That's a phrase that we use sometimes. It was something that burned in us that said, no, I love God. I want to serve him with all of my being. But over time and given circumstances that happen, we sort of lose that, that passion for God and that passion for serving God. And we either become lukewarm on the inside or cold on the inside. When Jesus spoke to John the Apostle on the Isle of Patmos in the book of Revelation, it's recorded, He sent seven letters to seven churches, and one of those churches was the church at Laodicea. And to the church at Laodicea, Jesus sent these words, "'I know all that you do. I know that you're neither frozen, that's cold in apathy, nor fervent with passion.' How I wish you were either one or the other, but because you're neither cold nor hot, but lukewarm. Notice that phrase, lukewarm. Notice these words, I'm about to spit you from my mouth. Isn't that a very powerful statement? Jesus said, I've looked at your heart. I've checked your heart out. I've checked the temperature of the passion of your heart, and I've realized that... That, that, that you're not either hot or cold, but you're just lukewarm. You've come to that place where you've lost your passion for me. And it, it really is the kind of thing that is sickening to me because I want you to be either hot or cold, either in or out. And, of course, the preference there is to be passionate in our relationship with God. And so do you have a lukewarm? Do you have a cold heart today? The fifth thing that I'll mention here from Scripture is you can have an anxious or a fearful heart, and that will affect your relationship with God. A heart that's influenced and controlled by anxiety and worry and fear. When worry and fear get into your heart, it affects your worship. You can't worship well when you're worried. You can't worship well when you're afraid. You can't worship well when you're carrying inside of you all the feelings of intimidation of the world around you. Proverbs twelve twenty five. anxious hearts are very heavy. Anxious hearts are very heavy, but a word of encouragement does wonders. John 14, verse 1, Jesus said, don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. And so, again, the question for us, how, how about your heart? Are you, are you carrying lots of worry? Are you carrying anxiety and fear inside that's affecting your worship? The sixth thing would be an angry or a bitter heart. Again, this is a checklist. How are you doing? What's the condition of your heart? Your heart's in a certain condition right now. And you can have an angry heart. You can have a bitter heart. The world that we live in today is a very angry place, a lot of bitterness that pervades the culture in which we live today, and it can pervade our lives as believers if we're not careful. And when anger gets into your heart, it does a lot of bad things to you. When bitterness gets into your soul, into your spirit, into your heart, it can affect you, and some people are angry about something in life. They may be angry at God, they may be angry at themselves, they may be angry at another person, but they're carrying this, this this sort of undercurrent of anger and bitterness inside of them that's affecting their capacity to serve God and worship God, to love God with their hearts because a part of their hearts is contaminated with anger and bitterness. The writer of Hebrews, inspired by the Holy Spirit, gives us these words in Hebrews twelve fifteen. Watch over each other to make sure that no one misses the revelation of God's grace and make sure no one lives with a root of bitterness sprouting within them, which will only cause trouble and poison the hearts of many. It not only poisons your heart, anger does, but it poisons the hearts of people around you. The seventh one that I'll mention here would be an unbelieving heart. An unbelieving heart is a heart that's gotten to the place where you've grown cynical in your faith. You've grown maybe skeptical as to whether God's really going to to fulfill His promises in your life or not. You've you've lost confidence in God or confidence in the promises or Word of God. And so it's not just a matter of having a fleeting doubt. All of us have doubts we battle with from time to time. But this is the kind of thing that has settled deep inside of you. You're now questioning whether God really is going to accomplish His promises. Is His Word really true for you? And you grow cynical and skeptical. And, and you've we get to that place where it begins to affect your capacity to trust in God and to worship Him from a heart level. Thomas, the disciple, experienced this at a a particular time in his life. You know the story, Thomas, after... Jesus was crucified, Thomas had the expectation, as did all the apostles, that Jesus was going to be their Savior in the physical sense, and they didn't understand all the dimensions of his death and resurrection. And so Thomas, after Jesus died on the cross, was quite confused about everything. And he, when he heard the story that Jesus had risen from the grave, he doubted it. He was not confident that Jesus, in fact, had done so. And he began to let skepticism and cynicism settle into his soul. He became a doubting person. That's why we refer to him as doubting Thomas until Jesus showed back up in his life and revealed his scars to him and proved to him that he was who he said he was and in that moment drove the doubt out of Thomas's life. And if you're doubting today whether God is real and whether God's word is true for you, Jesus wants to show up in your life and drive the doubt out of your heart today to remind you that indeed he is real, he is true. His promises are valid for your life today. Hebrews 3.12 says, See to it, that is make sure, do everything possible, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. God. The last condition that I'll mention to you today is a rebellious heart. Your heart can actually be willfully resisting and disobeying God. A rebellious heart is when you know the right thing to do and you've made a choice, I'm going to do the opposite. I know what God says to do, but I want to do things my way instead of God's way. And that's just outright rebellion. And your heart can get to the place where you are actually resisting God at that level. You know what he wants from your life, but you're choosing willfully to do the opposite. That's a rebellious heart. Psalm 81, verses 11 and 12, but my people would not listen to me. Israel would not submit to me. So I gave them over to their stubborn, what, hearts to follow their own devices. So my question for you as we're entering into this Christmas season and and literally for the rest of your life when it comes to worship, worship starts where? With the heart. Worship doesn't start with the external things that you do. Worship starts with the heart. If your heart is not where it needs to be, you can do all the external things. You can clap your hands and sing the songs and lift your hands and do all those wonderful things that go along that we think of with worship. We can go through the forms and the rituals of worship. But if your heart is not where it needs to be, then you're, not, you're missing the essence of what worship is all about. And God longs for your heart. God says, I want a relationship with you at a heart level level. And I want to get down into the core of your being. And I want to make sure that you understand the condition of your heart so that I can help you with that condition. Maybe one of those eight characteristics or aspects of unhealthy heart conditions has spoken to you today. If so, I'll tell you in just a moment what God will help you to do about it. The third thing I'd like to share with you today, and this is one I'll spend the least amount of time on. I want to get to the fourth thing in just a moment as we wrap up together and prepare for communion. But I want you to remember that your heart needs continual attention. Here's what I want you to see. Your heart can be really good today. You can be in a good place today. Maybe some of you are saying, you know what, I I went over that list. I'm good. None of those eight things affect me. And by the way, if you're saying that, more more than likely you do have a bigger problem than you realize, okay? If you think that you've got it all together, then chances are you, you really are deceived because all of us have issues where we need to work on our heart at some level. But here's what I want you to see is even when your heart is clicking along pretty good with God, it may be good today, but you better be careful tomorrow, amen? And you may be good for this week, but you need to be careful next week. It might be good this month, but you need to be careful next month because the devil is after your heart. The devil knows if I can get into your heart, if I can plant seeds of anger or bitterness or hardness or rebellion or... Any of those eight things, if I can get anywhere in your heart, the enemy knows if I can get in there in your heart at some level, I get a foothold in your life. And this is how we get strongholds developed inside of us. A stronghold is not some demon outturn- and externally attacking us necessarily. It's the adversary getting a place in our heart, a place of connection inside of us and building a stronghold where there's a, a string, if you will, attached to some dimension of our heart. He pulls on that string and he begins to manipulate our life. Toward destruction. And so you have to realize that although your heart may be in a good place today, you need to give continual attention to your heart. You can never stop paying attention to your heart, because your heart is affected every day by what you see, by what you hear, by what you think, by what you do, by what other people say and do, by what you say to yourself, your own self-talk. It's, it's affected by what you focus on. Your heart is always being impacted by the things that are going on around you. And if the devil knows that your heart is the most important thing that God longs for, what do you think he's going to go after? He's going to go after your heart at some level. Take a look at these verses. These are some verses that remind us of the importance of continually paying attention to our heart. Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24. It's a tremendous prayer to pray. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. The psalmist said, God, I want you to search me in and know my heart. Help me to understand what's going on at the heart level. Test me and make sure that my heart is where it needs to be. Why? Because uh, Jeremiah 17, 9 and 10 tells us the issue with our heart. The human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is. The reason that we need God to search our heart is because you can't trust yourself to search your own heart, because you don't know what's in your heart. Only God knows what's in your heart, and only God can reveal what's in your heart. And our hearts are extremely wicked and very deceptive, and we can be deceived by our own heart. And That's why verse 10 says, but I, the Lord, search all hearts and examine secret motives. I give all people their dear rewards according to what their actions deserve." Proverbs 4:23 would you read it together with me aloud and loudly let's all read together above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. You ought to circle that verse on your notes. You ought to highlight it. You ought to cut it out and paste it on your forehead. Do something with it. Whatever you need to do to remember that verse. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Notice Ephesians 6.16. Listen to this verse. I'm going to read it from the Passion Translation. Here in this passage, Paul is talking about the, the, the enemy's attacks against us. He's talking about the, 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 the armor that we have to protect us, the spiritual armor. And he says, in every battle, take faith as your wraparound shield, for it is able to extinguish the blazing arrows coming at you from the evil one. Notice that phrase, the blazing arrows. Or one translation says the flaming arrows of the evil one. I want you to think about this with me for a moment. When the enemy comes after you, what does he want to get at in you? Come on, help me out. What? The enemy says, I want to get a place in your, if God longs for your heart, I want to get a place in your heart. I want to get some kind of access to your heart. If I can plant hardness there or lukewarmness or bitterness or any of those things, hopelessness, anxiety, worry, any of those things we talk, if I can get in there, the adversary thinks, I'm gonna shoot a flaming arrow at you to find ways into your heart through your thinking, through what you experience around you. He gets access to your heart. That's why Paul says you need to carry a shield of faith around with you because the shield of faith is able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Think about this for a moment. What does a flaming arrow do? A flaming arrow, when it lands on a target, what does it do to that target? It ignites a fire, exactly right. If you were to shoot an arrow toward a building that was a flaming arrow and it landed on something combustible in that building, it would create a fire. And so the enemy says, I want to shoot a flaming arrow into your life in some way so that when I get into your heart, I can start a fire there. I can start something burning inside of you that will be destructive to your life. And that's why Paul said, you need, a, you need a shield of faith against the flaming arrows of the evil one so that where do you carry a shield? You carry a shield and it guards your heart. It keeps you protected at a heart level because the adversary is coming after your heart. Dear ones, let me tell you, don't ever leave home any day without your shield, Amen. Don't leave home without your armor on. Don't walk into the world around you without your armor on. You need that shield every day of your life. You need to guard your heart continually because although it may be good today, there's a flaming arrow coming your way tomorrow and you need your shield up to protect you against that. Let me bring you to the final point today. This is where I want to give you some tremendous hope for your life today and that's this. Unhealthy hearts can be healed. Here's the good news. All of us have issues in our heart at some level, if we're honest with God. I'm gonna to come to that in a moment. You have things in your heart that need to be addressed. But your heart can be returned to God today. Your heart can be redeemed by God today. Your heart can be restored. Returned, redeemed, and restored. Say those words with me. Returned, redeemed, and restored. You're not gonna experience the redemption, the restoration without, what's the word? first word? Return. You've got to return to God with your heart. And when you return to God with your heart, then God redeems your life. That is where there's been things that have already happened in your life, where your heart has been affected by the adversary. God is able to come in and redeem those things and turn it back around. God is able to restore your life, but it starts with returning back to God. So I'm going to talk to you today about how do you experience this process of returning, redemption, and restoration at a heart level? Because what we want to make sure that we're doing as we move forward in our life is worshiping God from our hearts, okay? God wants the worship of your heart. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. And then he says, soul, mind, and strength. But it starts with the heart. And so how do we make sure that our hearts are returning to God and redeemed by God and restored by God today? How does this happen? Let me give you but I believe to be a very important sequence of things that will help you and I to stay on track in this regard. And there are five dimensions to this. I'm using the word heart as an acronym that perhaps will help you to remember how to process this in your life. Number one, you need to be honest. H stands for be honest with God about your current heart condition. You've got to tell God what's really going on with your heart. You're never going to get better if you don't acknowledge your problem, amen? If you don't come to God and say, God, I need to tell you that I've got an angry heart right now, or I've got a, I've got a fearful heart, or I've got a rebellious heart, or I've got a hard heart, or, I've got a lukewarm heart, you've got to come to God and say, God, I'm just going to be really, really honest with you. I'm going to own up to what you already know about me. You know, sometimes we act as though God doesn't know stuff going on in our life, you know, as though we're kind of hiding things from God. But all God's wanting right now is for you to own up to what he already knows about you. Amen? He already knows everything about you and so it's not really a surprise to God. It's not that you're telling God something he doesn't know. God already knows the condition of your heart. He knows it better than you do. He's the only one that can really search your heart. What he's wanting you to, you to do is to agree with him about what's really going on with you. Okay. That's all, Because that's the beginning point for, for any kind of, of, of healing in your life is to agree with God about what's really the truth about your life. And so there's no reason to, to, to sort of fake it. There's no reason to try to present yourself as being something that you're really not. It's to come to God and say, God, I'm just going to be really, really honest with you about where I'm at in my heart. Asking God to help you to be honest with him, to realize what that is as we've done that checklist together. And then the E for this means to embrace God at a heart level now. What I mean by that is this, to now that I've opened up with honesty to God, God, here's where I'm at. I've got this condition in my heart and that condition in my heart, and I see this and I'm agreeing with you about it. And now, God, I'm embracing you at a heart level. I'm asking you to come into my heart and to do something for me that I can't do for myself. See, if you had a heart condition today, a physical heart condition, if you had, let's say, a, a blocked artery or some kind of physical heart condition, you couldn't operate on your own heart, could you? Right? You understand this, correct? Okay. You have to have a doctor to do for you, a cardiologist or a surgeon to do for you what you can't do for you. You can't pop yourself on the, on the, on the surgical table and do this to yourself. You need someone who is skilled to take care of your physical heart. Well, the same is true when it comes to God. You need to invite God into your life to do the work that He needs to do in your heart. And so you're embracing Him. You're you're inviting Him to be your physician. You're inviting Him to be your doctor. You're not just owning up to to the issue. You're saying, God, I need your intervention, your grace in my life to help me with this. I'm embracing you. I'm inviting you into this area of my life where I've been angry, I'm inviting you into that area of my life. Where I've been hard, God, I'm inviting you into this area of my life. Where I've been worried or fearful, God, I'm inviting you into this area. I'm opening that part of my life up to you. I'm creating a vulnerability in my life and inviting you to do in me what you need to do in my heart. So you are honest and you embrace that. And then The A stands for, and a very important part of this, it's the core of this, you need to accept God's love and grace and forgiveness for your heart condition. Nothing opens a heart like love. I want you to, once you've written down, whatever it is you want to write down, I want you to look up at me just for a moment because I want to talk to you about this, this, this third one because this is the core, this is the turning point of everything. You're honest with God, you invite God in, and then you accept the reality that even though your heart is messed up and everybody's heart here is messed up at some level, God still loves you, okay? Even though your heart is maybe hard or angry or fill in the blank with any of those eight things that I mentioned or anything else that God might reveal to you about your heart that is unpleasant, you must understand that no matter how unpleasant it is and how ugly your heart is and whatever is in your heart, God still loves you. He knows what's going on in your heart, and he loves you, and he wants his love to prevail over anything that's in your heart, okay? Nothing opens a heart like love. When you feel loved by someone, you automatically open up your heart to that person that you feel loved by, amen, okay? And so when you realize that God loves you, that God deeply cares about you, that God's not here to pick on you and condemn you and shame you about what's going on in your heart, no, God's here to love you back to health again. Amen? Okay? He's able, he wants to bring his love into your life and bring restoration. I'll remind you of a story that I mentioned recently, and it's a great story in the Bible, and I could probably mention it every week. It's such a wonderful story that we all need to be reminded of. It's found in Luke chapter 15. It's a story of the prodigal son. I love this story. There's a young man who got something in his heart rebellion. He wanted to go away and do his own thing. So he went to his dad and said, Dad, I want my inheritance that you have for me. I want it now. Give me all the money that's due me. I'm heading out of here. I don't want to hang around home anymore. I'm going out. I'm going to do my thing. I'm going to have fun. I'm going to enjoy life. And so his dad gave him his inheritance. Read about this in Luke chapter 15. And so he goes out and he spends everything. He wastes everything, the Bible says, in wild living. And he gets to the point where he's lost every bit of his inheritance. He has no more money, nothing else left at all. he has no way to feed himself, he has no way to sustain himself, and so he ends up taking care of pigs, a pig farm, serving a pig farmer, and eating the food the pigs were eating just to survive, and one day in the midst of this, he wakes up and says, you know what, I've come to my senses, I don't want to live this way anymore, I'm going to go back home to dad's house. I don't deserve to be a son anymore, but maybe you'll at least take me back and let me be one of his servants. And so the Bible says that this young man started making his way home. And the scripture says of the father back at home that when he saw the son coming from a long distance away, that says a lot. It means this. It means that the father had been watching for that son. He had been hoping and longing for that son to come back home to him. And the father ran out to the son on the journey back in all of his shame And the mess that he'd made of his life and the things he'd allowed to get into his heart, his father ran to him and threw his arms around him and embraced him and got a robe and put it on his back and put sandals on his feet and a ring on his finger, which represented sonship again, not a servant, but a son. It was a part of the the dimension of being recognized as a son and said, come on, son, we're going back home again. Kill the fattened calf. We're going to have a party because my son who was dead is now alive again. That's the father that we serve, okay? That's who he is, okay? now you've got to understand this today. No matter how cold your heart has gotten, how lukewarm it might be, how hard it might be, how fearful it might be, how whatever, you fill in the blank. I don't know what's going on with your heart. Only God knows and you know what's going on in your heart. But wherever it is today, you must understand that God loves you. His grace is directed toward you. God's not mad at you about your heart. God wants to help you with your heart. Amen? He loves you enough to embrace you and bring you into His grace. The fourth thing, that's the R. You've got to release everything that you need to release today. This is how you're going to be healed. You've got to let it go. Everybody say, let it go. Yes. Whatever it is in your heart, you need to let it go. That starts with your pride. Amen? It involves your unforgiveness towards someone. Maybe you're, you're angry at somebody and you want to be healed in your heart. You can't be healed in your heart if you're still holding on to the anger, right? If I'm still resenting you, I can't experience the healing of my heart until I let go of that. If you're afraid, you've got to let go of your fears and give them to God. If you're worried about something, give up your worries. There's something you've got to release to God today. My challenge to you this, this weekend is I, I want to encourage every one of you, whatever it is that's in your heart that you need to release to God, give it to Him today. Just leave it here. You brought it with you to church. Don't take it home with you, amen? Leave it here. We'll clean it up after you're gone, okay? Just leave it right where you are, okay? But leave it with God and say, God, today I'm letting go of this. I'm not going to carry this with me anymore. It's been in my heart. I don't want it to be in my heart. I'm giving it up to you. I'm releasing it to you today. I'm letting you have this thing in my life because I want to worship you from my heart, okay? And the last thing that I'll mention here today, and this is the the final sort of the capstone of this whole process, is to trust that he started a new work in your heart and thank him for it. That once you come to this place of being honest with God, you embrace him at a heart level, you accept his love, his grace, and his forgiveness, you make the choice that you're going to release everything that you need to release from your heart And then you say, God, now I trust you that you've started something new in me today that's going to continue to build in my life, and I thank you for the work you're starting in my heart today. God loves you with a love that goes beyond anything you can imagine. He longs for your heart. To experience him at a heart level, you've got to understand the condition of your heart. You've got to realize that your heart has a condition right now. And you've got to be willing to say, God, I want you to work with who I am and what I am so that I can worship you at the level that you desire from the heart, from the deepest part of my being today. Would you bow your heads together with me me as we pray? As we pray this morning, I'm going to do things a little bit differently. I want all the campuses to stay with me just for a moment, if you will. I believe that this is a turning point day. I believe that today's message can be a message that really can can really set the new course for your life in a very significant way today. This can to be a very significant turning point for somebody. If you would say this morning, you know, Pastor, there's something, there's one of those heart conditions that God talked to me about that I know that I've let something get in my heart that really shouldn't be there, and I don't want that in my heart anymore today. I, I really want to be honest with God about it and invite him in and to accept his forgiveness and to release that and begin to trust him for a change in my heart. If that's you this morning, I, I, I want to encourage you right where you are. Without Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. This is a private moment. We're all family anyway. We're here to, to bless and help one another. And so you don't need to be embarrassed by this at all. We all have these things in life. But if you, you know that God really talked to you about something today... Can I invite you just right where you are just to lift a hand to God right now and say, you know, this is something I need some help with today, God. My hand's going up today and I'm asking you to do something in my life. I just feel like there are a number of you already lifting your hand, but maybe there's others of you that you need to, need to just own up to that today. This is your moment. This is your turning point moment. That hand going up is really your indication of saying, God, I've got to give this up. I don't want this in my heart anymore. Father, you see Across all of our campuses this morning, you see the hands are lifted in this moment. Lord, you love us. You've given your heart toward us in the coming of Jesus. And you want our hearts back to you in worship. And I pray this morning that as these hands are lifted, I pray in Jesus' name that you would see past the hand down into the heart. Whatever the conditions are, I pray that you'd reach in to that condition of the heart today and help that person you know as they're being honest with you right now exactly what's going on with them. And I pray that today would be the day they embrace you in that part of their life. Today would be the day they accept your forgiveness in that area of their life. Today would be the day they release that to you and trust that you've begun a new work down in the very core of their being. For that we thank you in Jesus' name. Now pray these words. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Give me a new start in you. I commit my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you've prayed with a pastor today and made a decision to follow Jesus Christ, we have some resources for you on our website. Just go to church-redeemer.org slash you. We pray that this message was a blessing to you.